You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Starting in three, two, one. I think that I am live, and I am coming solo. I don't know what's up with Haji, but I think that the dad life has gotten in the way again. Either that or he is just dealing with the hangover that comes from being a New England Patriots fan. So I don't know what's up, but I know that we have a lot to talk about because we skipped a week and pretty much I'm just going to enjoy doing my introverted thing from the comfort of my living room and uh see how it goes so not gonna not gonna spend much time messing around we have to get to some news and that the big news is you darvish is no longer a free agent he is a member of the chicago cubs so it's probably good that haji's not on because the cubs are now clearly the team to beat in the nl central um i think clearly the team to beat in the National League. You can make a case that their rotation is now stronger than it was last year. Actually, I don't think there's any any doubt that their rotation is stronger. Um, so, you know, and Haji's Brewers share the same division, and the Brewers have yet to make a trade for a pitcher. So it might be good that he's not with us tonight because it might, you know, I don't know. I, I think he might be taking it kind of hard. At least my Braves are not supposed to contend this year. Whereas with the Brewers, with the two outfield signings, we we got all excited about that. And ever since then, it's been it's been crickets from Milwaukee. So I don't. I'm honestly like I can't understand all of the major league baseball teams that are not pursuing more starting pitching help. The Brewers are one of them. The Texas Rangers are another team. That rotation is just terrible. I mean, there's there's literally not a soul that you want to draft. You can make a case for Cole Hamels, but I don't know how strong it would be given the location where he pitches half of his games. So I don't I don't understand. I'm not smart enough to understand what's going on between MLB players and and organizations that are not willing to pony up the dough. I mean, I know it all revolves around money, but as a fan, honestly, it is super frustrating. So anyway, you Darvish is off the board. Um, his ECR at fantasy pros is 54. I think the highest ranking over there is Darvish at, at pick 40 and, you know, for me, I think I trust the I trust the front office to have done their homework. I know that recency bias is going to make a lot of people kind of shy away from him. I don't think that that's warranted. For me, I think I'm going to lean on the the larger body of work and draft you Darvish in round five with no problem, probably ahead of the Chris Archer Robbie Ray grouping there. I think. In the NL Park, 
I think you have to give you the you the edge. So anyway, second big piece of news, which will completely illustrate how dead the hot stove season is, is Alex Avila going to Arizona. And so they've they've gotten a little more youthful at catcher. The the Diamondbacks did have Jeff Mathis, who's 34, and Chris Herman, who's 30. So they added the spring chicken, 31-year-old Alex Avila, which honestly, on the very first or very first pod between Haji and myself, we talked about doing World Series picks, and we never did those. My my dark horse World Series pick was going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. So there you go. That was my dark horse pick. Now it looks really bad since Darvis just signed, but catcher was a glaring hole for the Diamondbacks. And Avila, even for all of his swing and miss, I, I believe last year he was right around the 30% strikeout rate mark. But even for all of that swing and miss, the dude can square up the ball. And I got, I got this stat from, from Dave Potts on Twitter, if you don't know him. He's a he's a daily fantasy baller who goes by cheese is good. So if you ever if you ever in a tournament or scrolling through trying to see who's trying to see who's at the top of the boards and you see cheese is good, that's Dave Potts. But he he was talking about Avila and brought up the fact that he has had a line drive rate greater than twenty five percent for five straight seasons. And when you talk about him going to Arizona. Humidor or no humidor, I do not really care. That that should be one of the top offenses in the league this year. And when you talk about that line drive rate for a guy that makes the hard contact that he does, which Avila, if you don't know, had a 48.7 hard contact percentage last year. He was second only to J.D. Martinez. And I'm just I'm loving it as a late round catcher pick. We in like full disclosure, he did not make our top 15 at fake teams. And I think a lot of that had to do with the uncertainty about where he was going to sign. And now that, now that he's in Arizona, I mean, he like somersaulted up my draft board. So he's, he's a guy that if I miss out on an early catcher and I miss out on Gaddis in the middle, I'm definitely just going to plug Avila in there at the very end and be totally fine. I think I have him ranked 16th right now. For me, I mean, it like if the Astros sign JT Real Muto, Brian McCann would definitely fall down the rankings. And then depending on what happens with Austin Barnes and Yasmani Grandal, I mean, you, you could easily make a case that Avila is going to push for, you know, top 12, 12 to 15 in the catcher ranks. So definitely don't overlook him. I know it sounds lame to be talking about a catcher, but I was pretty excited about it. Just knowing that that was such a glaring hole for Arizona. So if the Diamondbacks can sign another outfielder and get Yasmani Tomas to be their outfield four, you know, maybe play him against left-handers. I'm going to be pretty excited about the Diamondbacks this year. So there you go. The brand, the news, uh, you Darvish and Alex Avila, and we can we can move right on. I think so. If, if you don't know, for the last two weeks at Fake Teams, we have been doing positional weeks, which is a bit of a uh, what's the word? It's a tradition, I guess. It was started before I came there, 
and it's something that we've just chosen to continue. I think it works. I mean, we're, we're collecting a decent amount of page views, I think more than what I've seen recently, maybe because people are just hungry for their fantasy baseball news. So until I hear otherwise, we're going to keep rolling with it. So what we did two weeks ago was discuss catchers all week long. And then last week was first base week. So today I'm going to talk about what jumped out at me for that entire seven days worth of catchers and what jumped out for the entire seven days worth of first base. So you're basically getting two weeks worth of information curated in podcast form. You are welcome. So at catcher, there's a clear first tier and his name is Gary Sanchez. You can probably argue a case to take him in the second round of your draft. And if I'm talking draft, I'm talking a 12 team, 12 team snake draft. If you're visualizing in your head. So round two or round three, preferably round three. Um, he went 28th overall in the fake teams mock draft that is currently slowly moving along right now. No offense to all you guys that are being slow. I'm slow too. Don't hate me. So anyway, the the deal with Sanchez is, I mean, he he hits like just any powerful outfielder. I mean, he he just has that sort of power upside, and he plays in that lineup and in that ballpark. I mean, it you can't argue with the guy in round three this year. Um, after Sanchez, we have this Buster Posey versus Wilson Contreras debate, and for me. I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth because if any of the fake team guys listen to this, they know that I just drafted Buster Posey ahead of Wilson Contreras in our fake teams mock. But, I mean, we're into round seven. I think it was somewhere around like pick 70, 73 or four maybe. Um, So actually the math is goofy on that. Let me check that really quick. Yeah, the second pick in the seventh round. So – I mean, it honestly, it was either him or risk not getting him or Contreras because I didn't think Contreras would make it back to me. And it, I wasn't really loving anything else that I saw in that spot. So, and I don't love Posey, but I do think that he is coming at more of a discount this year than he has in years past. And I, I initially kind of dogged him on a on a recent pod with Haji, and I compared him to Joe Maurer, and that was really stupid of me to do because if you if you dive into the numbers against right-handed pitchers, yeah, sure, he's 30. You can maybe argue that those skills are eroding and you may see a drop-off sooner than you would hope, but Buster Posey murders left-handed pitching, like absolutely obliterates it. So, I mean, that all by itself – Plus, that's an improved lineup with Longoria and McCutcheon. I don't, and he's only 30. I know he's got a lot of tread, but I'm taking Buster Posey in round seven and, and just I'll be happy about it. So I do think that Contreras is super worthy, and I expect him to go soon after Posey. I mean, that's going to be a little, a little mini catcher run in your drafts. If you wanted to go the Contreras route and, and say, you know, the Cubs are going to be a better offense and maybe Contreras is going to hit for more power. I don't think that you can argue. After doing a little further, like digging into Buster Posey, I I think that the Joe Maurer thing was really terrible. 
and those two are a lot closer than I thought. And honestly, if I'm looking for a catcher around that round seven or eight range, I'll be happy taking whichever one of those guys falls. So that's the that's my take on the little second tier with those two. After that, I got to give a shout out to to Brian Creed here at Fake Teams when he went through his catcher tiers. One of the things that popped up was Salvador Perez, who is being drafted in round nine. And he compared his projections to Evan Gaddis, who's going in round 14. And the difference in those two is really negligible. And I get it with Salvador that he's been very consistent. Last year, he I think he crushed 28 home runs. Um the deal, though, with those two is that, like, you're you're basically you're talking about a difference in like three runs. They're both projected to hit 23 home runs. Um, a difference in seven RBI, which honestly, kind of like we we really think Salvador Perez is going to hit hit more RBIs than Evan Gaddis. We're talking like Royals versus Astros here. So, if I got to choose which guy is going to get more opportunities with people on base. Probably going to give the edge to Gaddis. But anyway, Salvador's projected for seven more. Um, Stolen bases, Salvador projected for one, Gaddis for two, but we're going to ignore that. And then on batting average, Perez is projected for 263. Gaddis projected at 255. But the point is, like, the guys are very similar. And if I have to choose between a catcher who's still catching – and a guy in Gaddis who's with a better team and who is the primary designated hitter and who is going five rounds later in my draft, that is something that I'm absolutely going to do. And I believe Brian's line is like, it's not sexy, but it's very effective. And I totally agree. So there you go with that. I mean, it. so you got a, a Sanchez tier. You got Posey versus Contreras. Um I'm kind of like, eh, on Real Muto. I mean, I really like to see where he lands, but I think it's difficult to argue that as far as like all-around skill set that he's he's definitely going to be worth it. I think his ADP is just a shade ahead of Salvador, like in around eight, round nine. I definitely prefer him over Salvador. That is not even a contest. But if I miss out on him, I'm going to wait on Gaddis in round 14. And if – for some terrible reason, I miss out on the elite guys and Real Muto, Real Muto and Gaddis. Uh, I'm probably going to look for Austin Barnes, and you guys can judge me all you want to, but here's a hot take. Austin Barnes was the best hitting catcher in the major leagues last year, and here are the numbers. He was first in on-base percentage at 408, first in weighted on-base uh, average at 386, First in WRC plus at 142, and if you don't know, 100 is average, so 142 is fantastic. He was second in walk percentage at 14.9 and ninth in slugging at 486. He also, if you forgot, supplanted Grandall in the postseason. He caught 13 out of 15 postseason games, and he is a year younger than Grandall, so Yasmani Grandal is not even the best catcher on his team, and I cannot draft him until I see something that gives me some kind of clarity about how that pays out, plays out. But I am going to just be blindly taking Austin Barnes because his ADP is not terrible. 
last I checked, it was actually after Grand Dolls. So, you know, I just I don't see how you don't take a chance on a guy that hit that way last year. And he and he also has more than one avenue to to play in time because if Grandall goes behind the dish, we know Austin Barnes can can play second base. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy the talent and hope that the opportunity presents itself. And I'm fine taking that risk later on in the draft. So Austin Barnes, the best hitting catcher in baseball in 2017, will probably wind up on all my teams in 18 that have to do with two catchers. I'll probably have him everywhere. All right, moving on down. After Barnes, we're going to get Robinson Chirinos. I hope is how you say his last name. If not, I'm sorry, dude. But this guy has a round 23 average draft position. And it was uh, Eddie who talked about it in our targets piece when he said he kind of was Jekyll and Hyde last year. In the first half, you got this more powerful version where he popped 12 home runs. In the second half, he only hit five home runs, but he had a more he had a well more well-rounded uh, performance. He had a he actually had a 3.99 on-base percentage. So he also plays for a Texas Rangers team that scored the fifth most runs in the American League last year. So Eddie's point was either you get the really powerful guy from the first half or you get the really well-rounded guy from the second half and you get that guy super cheap and you get him on a team that is going to score a lot of runs. I don't care how bad their pitching is. And in a hitter's park like that, I don't, there might, there may not be a better value pick at the catcher position. If there is, I have not seen it. So, you know, that, that was sort of, that was sort of the bottom end of catcher for me. Those are, those are the main things that, that stuck out. I will say initially, I was really like pushing for Contreras. Like, let me, let me ignore Posey and just wait for Contreras. But after I did my, my daily fantasy deep dive on catchers, Posey, his numbers really stuck out. Uh, and he's sure he's not as powerful, but uh, he is against lefties. And, and it, the, the skills he has with contact and batting eye and not, not striking out, those are not going to all of a sudden erode. So I'm definitely coming around to Posey a little more than I was. And that's the, that's the main tune that I changed. The, the other big thing, please don't forget, is ignore Salvador Perez in round nine and just wait for Evan Gaddis in round 14, and you, you should be good to go. Okay, so next up, last week for us at Fake Teams was first base week, and we initially, in the state of the position, I think it was Brian who, who put out that there's really a clear top six here, and we're basically talking Paul Goldschmidt, Joey Votto, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Jose Abreu, and Cody Bellinger in some order. Obviously, Goldschmidt's first. After that, you can debate Freeman versus Votto versus Rizzo. After that, you debate Bellinger versus Abreu. And the more that I looked at it, the more that it really jumped out at me that I don't like Cody Bellinger at his ADP right now. I don't, I know, I know like projection systems like him. And they expect that he's going to produce, but I, th- I think that you're you're chasing a little bit, especially when you can wait super late and get a guy like Matt Olson way later, who has a very similar 
profile. Um, so for me, it, it went from a top six to a clear cut top five. So those five for me are Goldschmidt, Votto, Freeman, Rizzo, and Jose Abreu, who is probably the most underrated player in all of fantasy baseball. So there's just no no other way other way to say it with Abreu other than like he just he's totally underrated. I mean he's gonna he's probably gonna hit for two ninety, you know, or at least be a plus in the batting department, batting average department and crush thirty home runs and do it in a hitters park and maybe with a White Sox team that's gonna be improving a little, you would hope. Um but I mean, even if they don't, I mean, his his floor is just so rock solid that it's hard for somebody like me, especially in the early rounds, to not consider that. And in the in the fake teams mock, I took him early in round three. So I don't do math, but that's you're you're talking twenty four. I took him at pick twenty six, and I took him ahead of J D Martinez because my personal thinking is outfield is a whole lot deeper and the other first baseman had already gone and I wanted that floor at first base. So maybe, maybe I got carried away slightly with that and should have just gone with Martinez, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now with the, with the free agents not being signed, but in the debate is really less about like Abreu versus Martinez and more about like, I feel good taking him at that point because he's so safe. So at least compared to whatever level of safety you think you can have when you play fantasy sports. So it, it also helps that I got Christian Yelich afterwards. So I feel good about my outfield start. So anyway, first base, that's a clear first group for me. Bellinger for me, hot take, maybe he's a hard pass unless he just drops like considerably, but I, I just don't see how that's possible with, uh, with what he did last year. So right now for me, Bellinger's a pass. There, there are definitely scenarios where I can talk myself into Will Myers. The batting average is an anchor, I believe is the word that Brian used. Um, if I feel like I can make up for the average elsewhere, I'll do that. And honestly, when I did my, my DFS deep dive with first baseman, Myers last year, if, if he tones down the strikeout rate just a little, because last year he jumped up a few percent, if he can tone it down just a little, any any rebounds slightly in average. I mean, he's he's right around league average. I mean, nobody is batting 300. Hardly anybody is. I mean, so, I mean, the average for all MLB first baseman last year was, was right around 261. So... I'm I'm fine with Myers if if I miss out on the first group, at least with him you know you're going to get a floor of like 15 steals and 20 home runs with probably more than that in both categories. So I'm fine with Myers. For me, after him, it's uh, maybe I could take Hoskins if he if he fell a little. I'm definitely in the the Hoskins versus Encarnacion debate. I think I would lean towards Hoskins. Like give me. Give me the youth in Hoskins and instead of uh, the old guy in Encarnacion. And uh, after those, I'm definitely fading Eric Hosmer. I can't tell you like how excited I am to fade Eric Hosmer. I hate his uh, profile at the first base position. 
he is a quality Major League Baseball player, but that does not mean that I have to like him in fantasy baseball. He's not a powerful guy. He's not really running like he used to when he was younger, and that could kind of offset some of the power loss for me. So I am like 100% not interested in Eric Hosmer. I do not care how far he falls in drafts. I'm not interested. Um, after that, you kind of get this kind of glut of like veteran guys. The, the biggest name out of there that I like that I'll be targeting if I don't have a guy yet or if I'm looking for a corner infield bat is Carlos Santana. Um, I don't really have any interest in Miguel Cabrera. I don't want to mess around with back issues. Um, I'm really not interested in smoke. I'm, I'd be okay with like Ryan Zimmerman if he fell, but he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to target. I'd much rather just have Carlos Santana out in Philly. And if I miss out on him, I'm going to wait and go for uh, Joey Gallo, who recent reports um, said is going to primarily stick to first base this year. And Texas Brass said that they expect that this will aid him a little bit offensively where he's not having to deal with the stress of bouncing around from first to third to outfield. And, it, and that's a narrative that we've heard multiple multiple times if you are around baseball i mean it the the position switch sometimes can be a little bit of stress so with gallo um like i think eddie said last week if he can if the dude can bat 230 you're gonna love him with with that kind of power so i'm kind of coming around to gallo as being like a target in the later rounds if i miss out on the first baseman or if i'm looking for a big upside corner infield bat i'm Initially with me, I play so much head-to-head that this, the batting average anchor kind of freaked me out. But now that I've like looked into it a, a little more and, and seen the power and seen the position, hopefully at first base, instead of bouncing around, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling okay about Joey Gallo right now. And then after Gallo, Matt Olson, um, honestly, those two, those two are pretty close for me. Um, Maddelson to me is like the he's basically Cody Bellinger light, and I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but um, I'm I'm just I'm not into drafting Bellinger way up there at the top. Not when I can wait and grab a guy like Olson who's got a lot of power, and uh, also plays in like kind of a pitcher's park or definitely a pitcher's park. I mean, it you guys just have all your Bellinger is basically what I'm saying. After those guys, uh, what what stuck out to me was today, Monday, actually yesterday when I was working through first baseman for DFS, Ian Desmond before last year was an Iron Man, and uh, I think he, he's double he's been double digit steals every year in his career. I, I believe the first year was an exception, but that was because it was only a twenty one game sample. So if Desmond's healthy, he's still only. He's only uh, 32, I believe, and maybe he's going to wind up playing first base. Maybe he might play some outfield, but he was successful on 79% of his steals last year, which was a little bit above his career success rate, which is right around 77, I think. So, I mean, the dude still has wheels, and uh, if I'm looking for some help, he's he's just kind of a sneaky source to me because he's buried – in ADP compared to what he was whenever he initially went to Colorado. So I'm definitely definitely buying some Ian Desmond on the cheap this year, definitely for DFS and probably for season-long leagues. Um, 
after that, I'm just looking for young guys. Uh, Mancini is nice in Baltimore. Josh Bell is nice. Um, those are really the two younger guys. After that, Greg Bird, maybe you take a deep chance on him in, in a deep league just because he's with the Yankees and there's a short porch and all that, but he's not somebody I'm going to bank on as a corner infield bat, probably not even as a utility bat. Um, Eric Timms might be the last uh, utility bat I'd be kind of okay with from first base. but the uh, So that's kind of like rundown going down uh, who the targets would be. I think that Anthony Rizzo right now is a fantastic value. That's something that we talked about all week long. Anthony Rizzo in round two, after you've already drafted a big bat or a stud in Kershaw, is uh, is a fantastic value. Um, and I, I paired him with Giancarlo Stanton in our fake teams mock. Um, we're each drafting two teams there, so my my second team was late. I think it, I think it was maybe pick eight, pick eight or pick nine. So I got Stanton first, and then Rizzo in round two, and that's just a that's just a fantastic floor. So if you don't remember anything else about first base, please remember Anthony Rizzo round two. Um, just do it, draft him all year long in round two. So that's kind of that's kind of it for me. My my time is winding down. That's we jumped through some news and uh, some catchers and first baseman. This week at fake teams, we're running through second baseman. So it's all about the keystone. And state of the positions already up, and the top 15 are already up. I think tomorrow we get Eddie with his three tiers piece where he looks at the elite and the mid-round and the bargain. And then we'll have part two of rankings and then go from there. After second base, we'll be moving on to short and third outfield starter and reliever. So this is me uh, saying goodbye. And uh, this is kind of the bonus pod. We'll definitely have a pod out this weekend where, where Haji hops back in here. So until then, we'll see you.